Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Business Lens, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Hill, who is the host of Motley Fool Money, the number one stock investing radio show in America. Yes, that's a tagline. Of course, it's a tagline. It's your tagline. And I repeat it every time you appear on this show. But it's a real thing. It really is. And it's not just kind of stock investing. I mean, that's sort of your stock in trade, no pun intended. But Nowadays, your show is super popular for all the stuff that's going on in the economy and the market. So congratulations to you and welcome back. Thank you. It's always great to be here. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a tagline. It's it's one of those things that it's numerically based. So that's that's why I'm comfortable saying it. It's like there aren't uh, stock and market investing shows that are on more stations than ours. So that's why I'm pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, it's great to be on radio and it and and your pod is 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 terrific and you do it every day which is uh it's kind of nice. I I enjoy that in my own pod feed. Look, this is an extended ad for subscribe to Molly Fool Money and of course, please subscribe. We're on Beyond Politics here. Okay. Let's let's get to it. Um you know, we talked last time you were here about the irrationality of the stock market. The the seeming reality that the, the stock investors seemed to prefer COVID to inflation because the market did incredibly well for a year and a half. And then all of a sudden it entered bearish territory for seven weeks in a row. Then it had an up week for no particular reason. And now as we record this, we're, we're recording this on June 13th, we're back down. And now we're officially in bear market territory. Chris Hill, why? Why is this happening? You know, I don't know that we have that much time uh, to, to go into all the reasons why. I, I think there are um, some main reasons, and, and here's what they are, I think, in no particular order. Um, one, as you indicated, is inflation. Um, it, we got the report last week, consumer prices um, you know, rose uh, to their, you know, inflation's at a 40-year high. And where we are seeing it most as consumers are the places where we tend to spend on the most frequent basis. And that is when we go to the grocery store and when we go to the gas station to fill up our car. And so uh, inflation feels worse when it's right there in your face. Um, There are other parts of the market, other parts of sort of the consumer spending industry where inflation is not as high, but the two places it's the highest are at the pump and in the grocery store. So I think inflation and sort of how the Fed tries to deal with that, that's, that's part of why we're seeing what we're seeing in the market. Um, another part of it has to do with just the incredible bull market run that we've had the 12 previous years. Um, it really was an unprecedented bull market. And so a pullback of some sort is natural. It's going to happen. Bear markets happen. They only happen on average about one year out of three, one year out of four. Um, but this has been pretty sustained for a while. 
And um, so it's dominating the news coverage, which leads to my third point, which is there is a little bit of momentum built into this in the same way that in the second half of 2020, we saw the market skyrocketing and we saw companies going public that probably didn't have any business being in the public market, uh, companies that weren't really ready to be public because it's much more difficult to be a public company than it is to be a private company. So we saw momentum swinging to the upside. Uh, there's momentum on the downside as well. Um, last thing I'll say, Matt, is, and, and, and we can dig into this more um, if you want, but um, part of the pessimism that we're seeing on Wall Street from the analyst community, when we're seeing, whether it's a report about an individual company or just about predictions of a recession or sort of predictions of the macroeconomic situation, um, they're not doing that in a vacuum. Uh, a lot of what is informing that are the comments of the people who are running the biggest, most influential public companies in America. And so when, we, when you have leaders of uh, these big public companies coming out and saying, in, you know, depending on their situation, we are cutting back on spending, we are cutting back on hiring, we're laying people off. We're being very conservative with our balance sheet. Um, that is a, a completely rational ripple effect for the analyst community to say, okay, well, if companies are saying and doing these things, um, then there are perfectly valid reasons to be a little pessimistic about the near-term state of the economy. It's, it makes sense. And the part that resonates most with me is this idea that we get bear markets because from time to time, we get too far, the pendulum swings too far one way, and we need to correct, we need to bring it back down. And so to the extent that the market got out over its skis over the last, not just year and a half, but maybe the last 12 years of the extended bull market, okay, I can see it. But on the other hand, you know, it, it's true that there, there's definitely analysis out there. there, there's worries out there about what direction things could go. But if you are supposed to be forward-looking as an institutional investor, as a, as a bank, and you look at the signs, I, I, for example, just had the very prominent economist, Mark Zandi, on the show. And I urge people to check out. It was, a, it was a great discussion. It's one of the few discussions I've ever had with an economist that was interesting. Like It was actually a pleasure <laughs> to have a conversation with, a, with an economist. We literally finished, and former Congressman Paulo had said, wow, we just had an interesting conversation about economics. But he makes the point, and he just wrote this as an article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, that in his mind, the risks of a recession are not that high. The, the fundamental economic indicators are pretty good. I sound like Barack Obama there. It's pretty good. There's, you know, if you look at jobs, unemployment, total amount of savings that people are holding on to, um, the amount of people's uh, income that's devoted to their housing, very, very different than the Great Recession situation we were in in 2008. And then you look at inflation and obviously very much on people's minds. On the other hand, when you break down the sources of inflation, and he's done this at, at Moody's Analytics, and you, and you decompose it into what's causing the inflation, it's mostly the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the pandemic, both things that in, in his estimation are easing off and are likely to be reaching their peak. So if you look forward, understanding the situation right now is, is complicated, it's fraught, 
But if you look forward, the indicators would seem to say, economically, we're, we're not in for a rough ride necessarily. So does that piece of the story hang true to you that, you know, as you break down these, these reasons why the market may be spooked right now, I get the correction part, but does it, does it feel rational to you? The other part of it where investors are kind of looking at the economic indicator part of this and saying, Ooh, I don't like that. Well, I, I think there's a couple of different things going on there. One is you're absolutely right. Uh, a, a lot of the key economic data that we tend to look at is strong. Unemployment's low. Um, wagers are largely as a group going up and um, consumer spending, despite inflation, consumer spending continues to be strong. So all of those things are great. The housing market is in much better shape than it was in 2007 through to 2010, let's call it. Um, so those things are great. Um, but anytime you start throwing around the word rational or irrational, um, it's important to remember that uh, the, the stock market is driven by human beings. As much as machines and, and algorithms are, are driving a lot of the trading, uh, it, a lot of it is, is driven by human beings and, and we are irrational creatures. And so uh, there are times when greed drives the market, and when that happens, it drives the market higher. When fear drives the market, which is happening right now, it drives it lower. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing. I think, um, again, this has been sustained. In some ways, the, the unbelievably short-lived bear market that we had in late March, early April of 2020 may have done more harm than good mm. for uh, a certain sector of investors out there, because I think newer investors learned the wrong lesson. And the lesson that some of them, not all of them, but some of them learned was, oh, bear markets don't last long. These things bounce back up. You know, there's, there's nothing like the experience of a bear market to inform how you think about your own tolerance for risk and how you think about bear markets. And so if that's your first impression, your first experience with a bear market, it's understandable that you think, oh, this doesn't really last that long. This can, these things can bounce back quickly. When history shows that bear markets, while they happen a minority of time, they happen for a, a much longer amount of time than we saw in early 2020. And so I think that Part of what we're seeing with the market, with the S&P 500 officially being in bear territory now, is some investors just, particularly as we head into summer, by the way, don't forget that all of this is happening um, at a particular point in time, which is slower for investing in the stock market in general, because people go on vacation. Mm. And particularly when you've had six months of the market largely going straight down over the previous six months. I totally understand any investor who says, you know what, I'm not thinking about this again until September. I may have cash on the sidelines. I'm not putting it to work. I'm keeping out of the market with new money for the next few months. One of the major things that I learned as a Capitol Hill staffer is the difference between major crises and things that feel like major crises, but that are going to last a day in terms of them being a problem to you. And it's, it's actually a great piece of experience to acquire because it really helps control your gray hair. I only got a bunch of gray hair later when I had kids. And so <laughs> it feels though, like right now with inflation and the other economic turbulence that we're going through, 
we're, we're not getting the benefit of that because people who are old enough to remember when we used to have inflation occasionally in this country, let alone people who remember stagflation, which sounds like, um, I don't know, something you do with your bachelor party buddies. It, I, people who remember that are, are, they have PTSD about it. It was bad. And so they're, I think, even more spooked. People who have never gone through that and who are perhaps new to investing or, or worrying about their own financial future over the last 12 years, they're like, what is this? What is going on? This is, this is terrible. This is witchcraft. I don't like this at all. And it feels like we're, we're kind of getting caught in between those two cogs and gears. And then it doesn't happen when Jamie Dimon comes out and says something about an economic hurricane. What's the economic hurricane? That doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound great. This was um, a comment that that Diamond made uh, earlier this month at um, an event largely for the investment community, for analysts and and investors, uh, institutional investors. And here's the thing about Jamie Diamond. He's the CEO of JPMorgan Chase, for those who are unfamiliar. Jamie Diamond is almost always the smartest person in the room. Um, and, and I say that because it's true. He, he is widely regarded as one of, if not the smartest CEOs of a public company in America. And so, uh, you know, it's you and I are old enough to remember the old E.F. Hutton commercial. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. When Jamie T- Dimon talks, people listen. And I'm not a J.P. Morgan Chase shareholder. I'm not particularly interested in the big banks as an investment, that's that's you know uh, uh, that's for my own personal reasons. That's not because of uh, that's not a reflection on Diamond or any of the people running those big banks. But when Diamond comes out and says there's an economic hurricane coming, and he went on to say it is coming, and what we don't know is this going to be Superstorm Sandy, or is this going to be downgraded to a tropical storm? We're not sure at this point but we know it's coming. And so I and a lot of other people take Jamie Dimon very seriously when he Mm -hmm. says, essentially, you read between the lines of that, and he's basically saying, hey, things aren't great right now. And they may be horrible, or they may just be not great for a little while longer. Um, uh, You know, we'll, we'll get through whatever the next six to 18 months are in terms of the economy, whether we get into a recession or not, um, you know, maybe it's just a slog, not a recession. Um, but I think that's why that comment got a lot of attention is because it came out of the mouth of one of the smartest people on Wall Street and one of the smartest CEOs in America. You know, you and I are old enough to remember a lot of commercials, especially do, do you remember the old EF? What was it? Um, uh, John Houseman, the actor, the British actor, John Houseman. We make money the old fashioned way. We earn it. Do you yes. remember that one? Absolutely. I mean, that that connects to another story that you wanted to talk about, because nowhere if there was a hallmark of the Great Recession, it was the unearned riches that people were, were getting out of the housing market. And in fact, the foremost expert on this in America is Michael Lewis. He's written about it so brilliantly. You just interviewed him. So anyone who has not subscribed to uh, uh Motley Fool money really should do so if for no other reason than to catch that interview. But um, talking about, you know, not earning money, the housing market has been uh, kind of a mess. And uh, it, it is is now once again, acting a little 
funky and 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 you think it's something to keep an eye on i do let me let me go back to jamie diamond for just one additional thing because i think this is important and i meant to say this earlier so i'll apologize for not getting this in one one other thing diamond said that that is really important for everyone to understand is he said you know based on his belief that an economic hurricane is coming um that jp morgan chase the company he runs he said, we're going to be very conservative with our balance sheet. Mm. And I think that um, he is not alone. I think there are a lot of companies saying uh, that and doing that. And I think, you know, I I mentioned that fear can drive the market. Um, I don't want to suggest that the pessimism that's in the stock market right now is coming out of thin air. Um, There are Wall Street analysts who are smart people who are taking into account what people like Jamie Dimon say. So like when CEOs of large companies come out and say, hey, we're going to be really conservative with our balance sheet, um, then it it makes sense to sort of dial back your expectations for the economy. In terms of housing, um, anyone who has attempted to either buy a house or sell a house in the last two years already knows um, how crazy the housing market has been. Um, how the pandemic shifted what people want in homes, um, where people can live, uh, the, the idea that you, you can move to a different state and keep your same job because you're doing it over Zoom, uh, you're doing remote working, all that sort of thing. Um, so it's really been uh, a market that's just gone straight up for a long time. Over the last month or so, we're starting to see that cool off a little bit. Some of it is in particular markets. Uh, some of it has to do with people essentially just giving up. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure anyone um, you know, doesn't have to look long and hard to find a story about um, people who have been trying to buy a home and have just gotten shut out because they keep getting outbid and they say, you know what, we're, we're going to stick with the home we got. Maybe we're going to do some renovations. Maybe we're going to look to bump out a room or something like that. Um, but I think that that's, um, that's worth continuing to watch because, um, you know, kind of like inflation itself, kind of like the, the, the automotive market. Um, you know, my wife and I were talking the other day about how we, we, we think we need to get um, another vehicle. And we're, the last couple of times we've, we've bought a car, it's, it's been a, a pre-owned car, which is one of my favorite euphemisms. It's not pre-owned. a used car, Matt. It's pre-owned. Um, and that's worked out well for us. And, you know, you look around at the used car market today and it's pretty wild to see that uh, the prices are higher than they used to be because of uh, uh, the supply chain, because of the ripple effects, because of everything we've been talking about. Um, but I think as housing starts to cool off a little bit, I think that can help um, with inflation, that can help sort of um, calm things down a little bit. And, uh, and, and hopefully the economic hurricane gets downgraded to a tropical storm. It just occurs to me in, in talking about this that, you know, maybe the problem we have is, is deeply psychological in a very real way. I was sort of being tongue in cheek about people who have memories that go back long enough to remember stagflation, to remember a time when we had inflation. And they're a little spooked by that because that experience was really unfortunate. Right. And then I was thinking at the other end of people who have had no experience of inflation. So they're kind of taken by surprise. You know, what is this demon that's suddenly taken over our lives? And that's true. But the people in the middle, I don't know, they've had a really rough experience as well. I mean, there's a whole cohort that sort of came of age in a working environment that was disrupted by 9-11 and then by the Great Recession. 
And there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole generation that essentially entered the labor force around 2001 that's been subject to these, you know, every five or six years, you get this, talk about hurricanes, you get this absolute storm. And uh, it, it's pretty terrible. I just wonder if we've all got collective American PTSD about what comes next. And so a comment like Jamie Dimon's or uncertainty or turbulence in any sector of the economy is going to have an outsized effect on all of our economic behavior and perceptions. Well, you just touched on something which is very real. It's something that Morgan Housel um, writes about in his uh, book, The Psychology of Money, uh, which is a, a book I highly encourage people uh, pick up um, either at your library or, or wherever you find books. Um, um, but Help a writer out and buy a book, man. What's that? Help a writer out and buy a book. You know what? Morgan has sold more than 2 million copies of this book. In Take it back. Go years. to the library. He doesn't need any more help. So, so, <laughs> uh, and he's a friend. And so, um, but, but, but I think that speaks to what a great book it is that it sold more than 2 million copies in less than two years. But, it, but one of the things he writes about is people's opinion of investing, people's opinion of the stock market, people's opinion of money, how they think about money is very much informed by when they came of age. There are people who came of age in the Great Depression. And no matter how they do later in life, no matter how successful they are in their careers and how much money they have, uh, typically people who came of age during the Great Depression are frugal because right. they came of age during the Great Depression. It doesn't matter how much money they have. It's like that really informs their thinking. It's, it's so interesting you say that because you and I are of an age where our grandparents went through the Great Depression. And so many people I know, and this was true of me as well, as our grandparents' generation began to pass away, they would find that they had hoarded, you know, day-to-day -day items, combs and twist ties and things like that, because they came from a time where you saved those things because you had to scrimp that way. And it's just, that's a, it, it, you're, you're right. It's such a rich topic, kind of these psychological overhangs that we all go through. And I just wonder how much that is at play in the market behavior right now. It's enough to drive anyone to drink. And maybe that's what some retailers are seeing right now because they're being opportunistic. I can't believe this. Let's close on kind of an amusing, maybe a depressing story. I don't know. You wanted to point out to me that Coca-Cola partners with the parent company of Jack Daniels have finally brought together the Jack and Coke in a can that you can buy. It's already pre-mixed for you. Are they basically saying, hey, America, this is what you need right now. We know you want it. <laughs> I think so. And, uh, you know, this is the fourth alcoholic uh, beverage in Coca-Cola's portfolio. And I can't believe it wasn't first, you know, uh, <laughs> Jack and Coke, one of the most popular mixed drinks out there. Um, this is something that was announced uh, uh, on Monday, and it, they're going to start by launching this in Mexico, and then it's going to be rolled out into other markets. Presumably the United States is one of those markets. Um, Beyond the humor of this, I think this is really interesting, and I think it is a smart move by Coca-Cola and a smart move by Brown Foreman, which is the parent company of Jack Daniels and, um, and my favorite bourbon, Woodford Reserve, uh, among others in their portfolio. But I think it's, it's really interesting to see what's happening as the beer companies are kind of getting squeezed. And part of what's squeezing them is the increasing popularity of cocktails in a can. And I see this in my kids' 
uh, generation. My oldest daughter just graduated from college. Um, her, she and her friends and, and that uh, generation are into the, you know, um, they're not necessarily into beer. They're into hard seltzer. They're into sort of cocktails in a can. Um, so if this doesn't work for Coca-Cola and Brown Foreman, I'm not sure what's going to, because this seems from a product standpoint, this seems like a no-brainer. Except I have one word, just, just one word to counter what you just said. That word is Zima. And listen, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, you're young. It's, it's cool. This was a thing. It tasted like Sprite with some vodka added. And I have to say, at a certain age, you know, right out of college for me, you know, like I thought it was delicious. I'm like one of, unfortunately, five people in America who agreed on that proposition. And um, it, it was a disaster. By the way, after it was already like not doing very well, a friend of mine was handed the portfolio of having to market Zima. He's since recovered and gone on to great success. I'll just counter that by saying Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola are two iconic American brands. Zima never had that going for it. This product does. On that patriotic note, I will stand up and salute and say thank you, Chris Hill. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Matt.